It was like a combination of feeling like my wings were being clipped and at the same time this relief of my role right now is to be the heart of the home for me to make it through this, for my kids to be well and for my husband to be well. Hey everyone, welcome to Moms in the Middle. This is a podcast, a show for busy parents who need a little help keeping their hustle in check. My name is Ivanka Osmak, and I have two boys, George and Blake. And I'm Melanie Ng, mom of a soon-to-be five-year-old, oh my gosh, named Josh. Okay, you know this term, right? Social and physical distancing. By now, that term It is just ingrained in your brain. It's part of common vocabulary as we continue to live through this COVID-19 pandemic. But, but while you may be distancing from others outside your household, you know the complete opposite is happening in your home. So let's say you're a parent doing online virtual learning with your kids. An employee who's just trying to manage work, sitting at the dining room table, and a wife trying to get or not let the small stuff get to you when it comes to your partner, because we know that can happen. And the thing is, you're doing it all at the same time, in the same space, seeing all of the same faces. So naturally, something's got to give. And sadly, often it's your mental health. One comparison that I heard that I really liked over this whole COVID experience so far has been this experience is like a marathon where we're running through it and we're past that halfway mark. We're starting to get tired, really tired. You know, 42 kilometers, it is a long haul. You know, we're sweaty. Our legs are starting to ache. And running, especially a marathon, it's all about the mental health and mental fitness and and fatigue is starting to set in. And I don't see that finish line, Mel, anymore. I don't know where it is. Do you see a finish line? Because you were working in the morning. You have never stopped. And now... You've been homeschooling. So when you come home from your job, you're actually doing another job and putting on your teacher hat. So there's a lot going on in your life, too. This is a huge marathon. Yeah, I've got to say, there's a reason why I'm not a teacher. So listen, hats off. Kudos to all of the educators out there, especially for uh, those who are teaching the youngsters. I don't know how you do it. You have the patience to do it. Uh, It's uh, definitely a talent. But honestly, yeah, I've been at work this whole time during the pandemic, have continued to go into work and covering the news cycle, which, as we know, this year has been wild. So I'm with you, Ivanka. Honestly, that finish line, it is hard to see. I I think I've stopped running and I'm kind of doing the speed walk, you know, the awkward speed walk. That's me. I'm that person. (laughs) All I picture are, no offense to Olympians who do speed walking, but like that butt jiggle and everything going on. So Mel, right now in my <laughs> oh, head, oh, I got the butt jiggle. I got you that are down. butt jiggling. <laughs> but the worst part, especially for us in Canada, in Toronto, is that it is winter time, and winter can be especially harsh because it's dark and it's cold. And you know, I'm trying to brave the elements with my kids and go outside because they need to get outside, and I need fresh air. But you just don't want to do it anytime. And all I want to do is curl up on the couch. So my mental health, it's been coming to a break. And as I said earlier, I'm getting fatigued, like really fatigued. So the burnout is real for all of us. But, you know, let's put a positive spin on things. Uh, Optimistic Osmac, does it have to be real? Natalie Ruskin, she is a coach and consultant who provides her clients with the momentum. It's a roadmap and permission slip for driven moms to lead fulfilling lives, minus the stresses that come along with it, which sounds wonderful. So I can't wait to talk to Natalie. Yeah. And honestly, I think we will take all the help we can get. And Natalie, she knows a thing or two 
about the daily toll on mental health. She is currently homeschooling her two young children and is also a wife to an emergency room physician all through this COVID pandemic. And I think we are all wondering how. How are you doing this, Natalie? Thank you for joining. I I feel like I need to make a um edit to the blurb you shared about the momentum and and the permission slip that text was written pre-pandemic so uh, <laughs> don't hold me to those uh whatever promises I've made and the other thing I will say is like it's forced homeschooling of course because I if I had a choice the kids would be at school so um it should be called like screen schooling And finally, we do have a caregiver. So I have to kind of say I'm fortunate that I have help um, in the home. Although for this overachieving mother, I still find my way like sitting beside my kids, helping them with homework when I should be doing work in my office. So, um, yes, it's uh, burnout is real. Yes. So you've got an added level, I imagine, of stress of worry and anxiety with your husband and what he does and the amazing um, work that he has been doing, frontline worker. So can you just speak a little bit, let's do a deep dive into, you know, what has your daily life looked like, especially at the very beginning and how things have maybe gotten into a routine? Mm -hmm. I think the kind of, it was one week into the pandemic in March when I had my first, um, tipping point, I guess. And it was, I had just launched my kind of most successful thriving group coaching program, like literally a week before we were at the Brickworks in Toronto, I was leading an in-person retreat with my new cohort of clients. And we were, I guess, a couple, one week into the pandemic and I was trying to do my work and trying to show up for my kids who all of a sudden weren't in school and my husband was working shifts where every day it was like an endless kind of information kind of like saturation for him to learn like okay now I need this mask and I'm gonna need this and um and I was up one night writing working on an editorial for the Globe and Mail about mindfulness with a colleague of mine and and it was like I can't do this. Like I can't keep, I cannot, I cannot be that version of myself right now. And it was like a combination of, to be perfectly honest, my feeling like my wings were being clipped. And at the same time, this relief of clarity that my role right now is to be the heart of the home for me to make it through this, for my kids to be well and for my husband to be well. And um, so it was a very humbling, but also I think empowering moment as a woman to really tune into my intuition and that kind of source of inner knowing and say, well, yeah, this is the like 1.0 version of success. And I can, I can stay up later and have less sleep and I can put my kids on more screens. And I, you know, I, kind of phrase that by saying, um, I have the choice. I, I can make that choice. A lot of mothers and women don't have that choice. They have to stay up late and have the kids on more screens. For me, um, there was a choice to kind of like prioritize my well-being and knowing, you know, that 
over-told but still very relevant metaphor of the oxygen mask, like I need to put my oxygen mask on first so that I can support my kids and my husband. And so that was sort of um, the first real tipping point for me. But all along since the beginning, I've had this kind of moment of I have to surrender my ideas of success. And I'm still kind of exploring what that looks like for myself. Um, I love that analogy, Natalie, about the oxygen mask. That that really, I think that makes sense. But now my follow-up question to that is, how do you know for you personally, and I guess it varies from person to person, whether, hey, it's just turbulence or if you're going down and you need to get that oxygen mask on, um, how do you know your point and where you need to go from there? Yeah, that's a good analogy. And I think what we're talking about is, um, noticing the early warning signs of kind of feeling that our our mental, our well-being, our mental wherewithal is starting to, you know, get a bit rocky and become a bit less um, less grounded, so to speak. And so I think certainly there are some ways to know when it's it's not just turbulence. My my goal in myself and the way I support everyone around me, but especially like the clients I work with, is to set the right machinery in place so that we can detect turbulence and detect that those challenges are happening so that we don't have to be going down because that is just so draining on us and on everyone around us. I would say, and I remember the early days when like it was so hard with sleep with the kids because you just, if you get four hours in, I don't know if you're at this stage still, Ivanka, with your, even uh, still a, a young one. A little one, yeah. So I, I don't want to put any pressure on this, but I do feel, and this has been part of my practice for almost two decades, that I need to find even one minute of solitude and stillness for myself before or the day gets underway. It, honestly, when I started, it was three breaths, three mindful breaths, because without that moment to just check in with myself, then I get hijacked. I get hijacked by everybody else's needs, because that's what I think we can see we're wired for in some ways as women. We're very compassionate, and as mothers especially, we're wired to kind of care for everyone around us. And so one of the things that has been a pillar of my questionable sanity, you could ask members of the household, is that um, the pillar is time to pause in the morning. And so it can start with three like mindful deep inhales and full exhales and just kind of connecting with your physical body, like literally feeling your hands on your lap, your sit bones on the floor or the cushion beneath you, and even the sensation of air coming in and out of your body to kind of physically ground yourself um, is really important because then you have a baseline to kind of um, that you've imprinted for yourself throughout the day. And we know from um, meditation and mindfulness research that even many micro moments of that, you've imprinted something in your brain processing, in your nervous system that you can 
recall that sensation throughout the day. And like we all know that idea of going to reaction rather than response. So when we practice pausing for a moment in the morning, ideally, we can actually choose more frequently to respond rather than react. And then we save ourselves so much of the exhaustion that happens when we're reacting, when our nervous system gets hijacked. So I think the first thing and most important for me, my kids, like I wrote down, my kids know mommy before she meditates and they know like, mommy, didn't you meditate already? So I need that time for myself and um, then I'm able to face the day. I think my husband knows when I'm at that point too. And it's not meditating for me. It's grabbing a bag of marshmallows or going to watch Bridgerton, which can I watch that? How many times can I watch it before it becomes a bit of an addiction? It's um, so good. So good. <laughs> so, well, that's interesting though, that you brought in your kids and that they know, okay, mom needs this time before, you know, so she can just feel better about herself because Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I shouldn't let my kids, you know, my, my youngest is very young, but my almost four-year-old see me break down a little bit or not be whole and totally, um, or what I think is in control. So is there ever, is it okay to, I guess, be vulnerable in front of these children for them to see you not be hundred percent? Oh my gosh. I know it's, I think it's okay. It's, I think it's essential. I mean, from what I've learned, both firsthand experience, and I'm still early at the game of this, and I think I'll always be a beginner. I'm, I've got a almost five-year-old and almost seven-year-old, but I mean, just, of course, there's all the research that says our kids need to see humans and experience humans. Like they feel everything. So even if we're putting on like everything's okay, everything's fine. Like they, babies sense it. Babies sense tension and unrest, like even before they have verbal language, because we're, we are living, breathing, intuitive beings. And this is not like woo-woo, it's, it's science. So we know that our kids feel it. And then if they see us behaving a different way to what they're picking up on emotionally, it confuses them even more, truly. And then they don't, they don't get a clear comforting sense of uh, what is like of, of reading the other people's emotions. So um, one of our sons is like, he's just, he's very intelligent and he's a bit, um, he gets like excitable. And so he is a messy eater. And my husband and I are working on our own OCD, but we like, we don't like the mess. we it bothers us when there's like crumbs falling on the ground. Like he's had enough practice. He's in grade one. Like he should be eating all, all the food should land on the plate, but it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed like he spilled something last week and I, I kind of, I got really frustrated and I, I was like, Oh, why does this keep happening? And he looked at, and he got upset and he's like, it's not my fault. Like, why do you get so upset with me about this? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I did the thing I sometimes do, which is I like leave the room because I know when I'm getting that reaction in me that I just, I say, I need it. I need a timeout. Like I need to leave the room to just find my own center here. And I realized, like, I remembered as a kid that like my, not to go into like therapy here, ladies, but (laughs) 
I remember like spilling something and one of my parents getting really upset with me about it and me feeling horrible and saying to myself, I'm not going to do this to my kid because it's so traumatic. And here I am re- re- redoing it again, which, by the way, I'm learning is not so unusual. We often recycle the same stuff. But the difference is that I had an opportunity to do it differently and I could be vulnerable, like you said. So I was able to um, go back and I said to my son, I'm like, you know what, I'm sorry, you're right. It makes me crazy when there's a mess and I can't help this part of myself that turns into a monster. And I said, you know what, like Bubby, which is grandmother, um, did this to me when I was little and it made me feel terrible and I'm doing it again and I am not perfect and I'm trying to learn to be better and I just want you to know that I love you and blah, 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 all the mushy stuff. But I felt better doing that. And honestly, it the moment passed. And so, I mean, when they're younger, it's a bit different. Like sometimes they see us cry when we just, they are not going to bed when they're supposed to go to bed and we're just beyond our own sanity. And I think that that's just, sorry, like human. And here you get to see a human and sooner than later, you're going to be encountering many more of these, like, this spectrum of emotional reaction. So, yeah. So, Natalie, what I heard there is that, you know what, even adults need a timeout, right? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. honestly, right? Even adults need it. So, Natalie, I was going to ask you this. So, Ivanka asked about in your household, you know, letting your household members see the mental health strains that are on you. What about the external pressures? And I'm going to give your example of um, what you dealt with with your five-year-old um, with the food. Because just before we started this recording, and depending on where you're listening from, you may be doing the virtual learning and not by choice. So I am currently doing the virtual learning with my son because we are currently in a lockdown mode. He has to be at home. It was a very simple task, Natalie, very simple. He just had to watch a video with me. Uh, He's four years old and we needed to draw a picture together. Very simple instructions. And for some reason, he could not draw these circles and it drove me crazy. And, (laughs) and, and I don't even understand why it was making mad. And when I was getting mad, he was getting worked up and all of a sudden he's in tears. And I said, listen, I'm going to get you a tissue. I will come back and we're going to start the damn drawing again. And then I thought to myself, this is just wild. And I figured, why am I so upset about this damn drawing? Is it because he's not getting it right? Or is it that his teacher's going to see that he didn't get it right? And then I'm going to feel like I'm a failure because the external powers that be, the teachers in this case, are saying, hey, you're not a great mom because you can't help your kid with a simple drawing, right? And so that sort of weighed on me, like, who am I doing this drawing for? Is it for this four-year-old or is it really for me? Oh, yeah. It's, I'm so there with you. And um, I, uh, here's the other thing I'll say, which my clients, like, they all laugh and kind of roll their eyes. But uh, it's those moments when you are noticing, like, the, like, the temperature rising in yourself and you're, like, frustrated and you don't know why and plus there's this judge on your shoulder saying like why are you being such an a-hole to your kid right now like this is the last thing they need but then you're like I can't help it it's making me crazy and um I think that like what a beautiful opportunity to practice because the you know we have to be really efficient about um 
if, if you're willing to practice mindfulness or this idea of like self-awareness, we don't all have time to go on a mountain or a yoga retreat or let alone take 10 minutes to listen to like a meditation app. But we do have countless opportunities in the day to notice what is happening in ourselves and to actually get curious about it and just kind of pause with it and notice again the physical sensation in our body um, as a way to anchor ourselves. So I think that's the first thing is when that agitation comes up, instead of being like, oh, I'm feeling this again, or oh, why is my kid like not just getting this simple thing? Um, it's like, oh, wow, I'm noticing that sensation coming up in my body. And I guess the other thing, which like I'm not a parenting coach, but I do find that I speak often to parenting because of just my own firsthand experience is like letting my kids fail and letting those le like beautiful lessons happen without me micromanaging. Sometimes our kids are like, I don't want to wear a jacket outside. And I notice myself being like, you have to wear your winter jacket. But actually let them not wear a jacket and like freeze their butt off and maybe get a cold and then they won't do it again. And similarly, like I'm not the teacher, like if they don't get the, the circle right, the teacher will tell them and, and they'll learn that. So I would just say like, you don't have to be doing, going through that extra effort, Melanie, like just be like, okay. And go and I don't know, make yourself a cappuccino a, or something. something Wait, I was going to say, Mel, I'm hoping this story ends where you just did the circles for Josh and he looked like a genius. No, no you know what? We came on back. We took a little break. We came back and we did the whole circle thing. And to your point, Natalie, he did that. He did them imperfectly. And then I stopped for a second and I went, he's four. Of course, yeah. he's not going to draw these circles perfect. In fact, if he did draw them perfect, the teacher would go, um, who did this for him? And yeah. so I let it go. I let it go and it felt good. And I think we can all learn that, right? Just let some things go, fight the certain battles, because as you were mentioning, certain things will just weigh on you. And do you even need them to weigh on you if they're so just trivial like that, right? By 20 years old, Josh will know how to draw a circle. So I'd hope. we're good. We've been talking, so we've been talking a lot about, um, kids' relationships and how, you know, our parenting has been with the children, but for, Many of us, we have a spouse, partner, maybe who lives in the house, maybe who doesn't with us. And <laughs> there are times, people, there are times when the relationship has been very strained, um, a lot strained. What's the best way to manage um, a love relationship these days when you're not getting other outlets? You're not getting the drive or the commute to work. You're not getting your time with your girlfriends, your friends, you know, all the things you used to do. And so then you would be apart and come together. You're together all the time. That's why I'm hiding in a closet right now. Um, so how, how do you, how are you managing, you know, that relationship? It's a great, great question. Uh, I would say imperfectly. So that's like the most important slogan for this whole conversation is like embrace the imperfection and let go of the expectations. And like I am practicing deep compassion for myself, my husband, my kids right now and everyone around me. Um, but I think there is something about hygiene of routine. So we are animals. We do thrive with some 
semblance of order, just like all animals. I We've had to evolve routine in the household, but um, really kind of having having those boundaries for myself. I, I work, I always worked from home since I left my like previous career. My husband actually leaves the house for his work because he works in an emergency room. Although there's days, often days where he's home because he does shift work and stuff. And so I'm really mindful of when he's home and I kind of, we can get like, I can just, time can fly by and we're chatting or there's like a household, endless household things to do and so I need it's on me in some ways to just like respect the boundaries of my work and to kind of go to a space if I can where even if it's putting my headphones on where I can do my work um but also I guess in terms of the spirit of hygiene I've been I've made more dinners for all of us eating at the same time than ever pre-pandemic like we eat dinner every night together and it's great like we talk about stuff and the kids are for the most part like way more they're they've been trained now that this is dinner time this is when we have conversations about our day that we all spent in the same house together (laughs) (laughs) what app did you go on today um but anyways there's like sort of there is I think we have to be creative and um and also flexible about time and space, but still find ways to create that. I I am fortunate that my husband does leave the house and then I sort of feel excited to see him when he comes home and to also be like, you're doing bedtime tonight. <laughs> That's so funny. And, and I'm sort of in the same boat, Natalie, in that like I actually leave the house for work and I've never stopped. Um, and that's my solace, right? Like that's where I can actually gather my thoughts. And even though it's in a crazy way, cause I work in the news industry, even though my mind is spinning <laughs> in some way, that's where I'm, you know, getting myself back, right? I feel like I'm getting a piece of me back because I don't have to see the exact same faces all the time. So I'm, I'm very blessed for that. And I don't have to see my husband all the time. That's great. But one of the things that I've figured out, and for me personally, and I don't know if it's for everyone, is the idea of um, just stepping back for a moment. You're allowed to have those bad days, accept that you have those bad days, but then spin it on its head and go, but what am I happy to have? You know, I I know I personally don't do it, but I have a lot of friends that do journals and a lot who have been starting to do sort of this like gratitude journal of, okay, listen, I know the world sucks right now, but X, Y, and Z is really great. And like you said, hey, we're having these amazing, engaging dinners every single night. Would you have ever had that before? So, you know, to flip things on its head when it comes to mental health, would you say, listen, try to look at some of those positives that wouldn't have been in your life before? There, yes. I mean, that's that's been a huge silver lining for so many of us with this pandemic is seeing these opportunities to wake up to what is good and what's even better in our life. And, and so like reframing the things that we thought we needed before that did fill us up and realizing that there's other things that were available. And so, I mean, I'll move beyond the general kind of saying what we all know. It's it, I think that, you're speaking about the power of gratitude and of, of, again, it's, it's ritual. It's this idea of like 
having moments in our day where we can um, pause and and see the bigger picture and and reflect. And these were, interestingly, um, these were practices that probably our grandparents, when they'd go to church or synagogue or temple or in community that existed, they were pivotal or a pillar of how people's lives operated. And I think over time with the industrial revolution and tech, certainly now in this tech stage, like we've lost touch with those really simple, but um, grounding rituals. And so, yeah, like now it's, it's the gratitude journal. It doesn't have to be journaled, but just finding like some moment in the day, I send an email every night to a a check-in buddy. And I say like where I felt powerless in the day and where I felt gratitude. And it just, it's, I, I'll say that almost every day. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to write this email. Like, so don't expect it to be something you want to do. But every time I do it, I feel so much better. It's like working out or making a salad. It's we don't want to do it, but once we get into it, we feel so much better. And now it's become when I don't send it, I'm like, I feel weird. Like I forgot to do something. So I think we need to bring that, that discipline and that sort of, um, that those practices back into our lives. And this is an opportunity right now for us to do that. Thank you, Natalie, for reminding me that I need to be grateful and give thanks. And uh, a good reminder is writing down things that I'm grateful for in my life because it's so easy to get consumed by all the negative, the negative news, or, you know, when you said earlier about your son creating this mess and just focusing on the mess and not that he's enjoying his meal that you prepare for him or something like that. So, so Natalie, thank you for reminding us to be grateful and also for the great advice that uh, you've given us on this podcast. I know our listeners will get a lot out of it too. Thanks so much. As always, we thank you so much for listening, especially to this really important conversation we can all relate right now. So please, we remind you, if you like this show, make sure you rate and review, and you can just do that easily on your app. Five stars is where we hear it's at, so no problem. (laughs) Five if you got it. (laughs) Don't be stingy. Be generous. Uh, You can always find us. Throw us a line. Tell us how you feel about the podcast. We're on Twitter at Frequency Pods, on Instagram as well, at Moms in the Middle Podcast. And this, as always, brought to you, produced by Stephanie Phillips and presented by Frequency Podcast Network.